mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, This is How I Fight My Battles. His scripture text to be taken from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Here now... Pastor Moody. Appreciate the Lord. Uh, I'm going to preach a little bit this morning, but um, I heard a word in my spirit this morning. Uh, In Judges chapter 6, the Bible tells us a story. That's not where I'm preaching. I'm just going to tell you this, then I'm going to preach. But the Bible tells the story about Israel who went into Canaan, and by the time we get to Judges, they've forgotten God, they've gotten a terrible condition. The Bible says that they were in terrible, terrible straits. But then it said, in Judges chapter 6 and verse number 6, it said that then they cried to the Lord. And I thought about where America is today. Much of the church world's just been cruising along and enjoying the blessings and not really seeking God. And the country's in trouble today. Can somebody say amen? And I just thought, what a great time to start crying to the Lord. What a great time. Come on. Your life may be a mess right now, but you can cry unto the Lord. And Israel was actually hiding in caves. Y'all with me? But Gideon was hiding in a wine press. And I've thought about that. You know, he was just down there. He was threshing in a wine, in a wine press, just trying to, for a place of security. But the Lord touched my heart with a thought. He said, that wine press is where the wine used to flow, which represents the anointing. Come on, somebody. And he was in that wine press and touched just the residue of the anointing. And then an angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, You're a mighty man of valor. Amen. And he said, God is with you. And he said, If God's with us, then where's all the miracles and where's all the signs? And how many knows God was about to show him? Amen. So it's time to cry to the Lord. Amen. Stand with me this morning if you would. We appreciate you so much. I'm just ready to press in to 2021, aren't you? I believe it's going to be the best year we've ever had. I feel like 2021 is a year of recovery, but it's also a year of advance. And I've got a word for you this morning. I think some people are perplexed and confused and disappointed and disillusioned even. Even the church people are disillusioned about what's going on. But I believe I've got a word from from God for you this morning. It's going to help you see something better. Amen in our future. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 1. This is Paul writing to that church at Corinth, and he's telling them that there's some things they need to understand about the battle. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1. The Bible says this. It says, Now I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am based. In other words, I'm low-keyed among you, but being absent, I'm bold. I'm stirred up towards you. But I beseech you that I may not have to be bold when I am uh, present with, with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. That means we don't walk according to the flesh as children of God. We shouldn't anyway. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. 
for the weapons. Somebody say the weapons. I dare you to look at somebody and say, we're going to leave here armed and dangerous today. Amen. We're going to leave here armed and dangerous to the enemy. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. I like this. Everybody's mind's all messed up right now. I mean, you look some people in the eyes, and their eyes are about to cross. They're so tore up. Their imaginations are running wild. About, we're going bankrupt. Everything in the world is going to go wrong. Are you hearing me? That's, listen, that's not what God's saying. He said, but I'm going to cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. How many believe what God said? Bringing into captivity every thought. Listen, the battlefield of the mind. Joyce Meyer wrote a book many years ago and preached a great message. It's the mind where the battle's won for us most of the time. Most of the time, it's the mind bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I'm going to preach. I'm going to steal one of Nick's songs. He sings a title this morning, and I'm going to preach on this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Look at somebody and say, get ready for the fight. Tell them, say, it's on. Today we're going to learn how to fight. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done. We pray that you let your anointing, Lord, just uh, because of the anointing, the Bible said the yokes are destroyed. If they're destroyed, they can never be put back on us. So we walk in liberty. We walk in freedom. We walk in victory. We walk in the power of the Spirit today. I, I, I bind every hindrance. I pull down every stronghold over this service. I cast down every preconceived notion, amen, about what's ahead of us. We look unto you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and we press forward toward the mark, forgetting those things that are behind us because we want to fight. Lord, this is how I fight my battles. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You can be seated. Glory. It's so good to see all of you this morning. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, 2021 is here. We've done stepped right into it. I want to say this. This is your time to shine. This is your time to be faithful to God. And, and they were singing a while ago about how faithful the Lord is and how he's, he's never lost a battle. We sing those things. But it's a time for us to be faithful to Him. Hello? It's a time for us to be faithful in things like prayer. It's a time for us to be faithful in things like getting into the Word of God. Can I be pastoral and just haul off and say, it's time to be faithful in tithing and giving and faithfulness to the Lord. Somebody said you don't have to tithe to go to heaven, but tithing tells God how much you really love him, how committed you are to his cause. Amen? And besides that, if you if you rob God, you're going to be in trouble. Amen? I'm just going to leave that with you. But I want to preach this morning on this is how I fight my battles. The reality is that we shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't be too torn up about the situation that's going on right now because every Christian faces battles. We always have, and as long as we're in this world, those that live godly will suffer persecutions. Jesus said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from, how many of them? Them all, amen. And so we're going to face battles. They're inescapable. And even if you're not a fighter by nature, some of us tend to be very passive, very laid back, very quiet. That may not be you. You might be a person that's ready to get right in the face of the enemy. 
But the reality is, even though we're not fighters by nature, we're going to find ourselves in the battle from time to time. This is true because we're so often attacked. How many say amen to that? You can be mind your own business. You can get attacked. The, the enemy does everything he can to try to draw you into the battle. He's trying to pull you out, amen, where he can do you harm and get you away from the security that you have in the Lord. And I want to say this. Trust me. Our enemy is real. He's formidable. He's powerful. Amen. Jesus even said in John 10 and 10, For the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. His, his goal is to try to destroy us. Can you say amen? But then Jesus said, But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God wants you to be blessed. God's done with you losing, amen, so many skirmishes. Can you say amen? Amen. I, I was reading a book recently concerning World War II, reading about one of the generals and his leadership ideas, and he was considered the most powerful general, General Patton, of World War II. But there was one particular battle on his way across France, heading to Berlin, and his, in his own words, he said he was going to shoot Hitler in the head himself. And on the way there, there was a battle when they got into Germany, a fortress that the Germans had built, and they underestimated how powerful it was. And it was a terrible battle, and literally, he lost that skirmish. Are you hearing me? But how many knows he went on to win the war? And sometimes we're going to be knocked down. And I believe that God spoke to me, to my heart, about the dilemma that we're in right now. I believe people in church, in the church, and I know the world is saying all kinds of stuff that I try not to pay attention to. But there are questions that I believe are looming large in the minds of the church today and of Christians. Certainly, I've had these questions. Questions like, uh, you know, what's going on right now? What about the prophecies we heard in 2020? What's the fulfillment going to look like in 2021? How many knows that God's word never returns void? You've got to get a hold of this. I'm, I've got to try to bring you out of discouragement and despair if I can this morning. It's, if it's God's word, when thus saith the Lord really happens, I'm going to tell you hell can't stop it. Come on, your enemy cannot change it. Somebody help me right there. God is God, amen, regardless what you're seeing in the 6 o'clock news, amen. So, what about the, what are the fulfillments for 2021? What do we do in the text of walking by faith? Amen. The just walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. We live by faith. When we can, I begin to think like this, the battles present themselves. And when we can, we ought to choose our fights. When we can't, I believe we ought to choose our weapons carefully. I believe we ought to be, like Paul said, understand we're not fighting flesh and blood and understand that the weapons of our warfare are not the things of the world. That's what it means when it says carnal. It's not the attitude of the world. I will not engage in the tit for tat that the world wants us to get into, but I've decided to take the higher ground. I've decided, amen, to, to understand that greater is he that's in me than he 
key that's in the world. I want to tell you, I've understood some things that God is in control. And it's time for the church, amen, if you have to, to find yourself in the wine press, touching the residue of the anointing. You need to get to the place where the glory is being poured out and come to a place, amen, through repentance and prayer where God's spirit can strengthen you for anything that the enemy brings against us because I believe that no weapon formed against us can prosper. We're the church and the church is going to outlast every government and every power that's ever been raised. Can you say amen? Glory. I want to say some things that I felt like the Lord said to me. So many times I think the enemy gains an advantage over us because as the body of Christ, we make unwise choices. Amen. We we have a tendency to fight back with the very things, amen, that we were attacked with. I'm, I'm talking about things like harsh words, like retaliation, anger, bitterness. We allow ourselves to be drawn from the position of our strength to a place of weakness. There's not a battle that you cannot win if you choose God's battle plan, if you let the Holy Spirit direct you, if you believe God's word, if you walk by faith, if you choose your weapons carefully, if you become that man and woman of the word or that man and woman of prayer. When I started reading about what Paul was dealing with here, think about the great apostle Paul. He has dealt with this Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians, if you read it, you know that church was a train wreck. They'd go to church, they'd all stand up and everybody'd speak in tongues all at the same time and it was confusion. They couldn't even get together and have a fellowship meal without there being a falling out because the wealthy didn't want to eat with the poor and all those things And, and it got so bad that Paul had to stand up and say, you women be quiet in church. Hello? (laughs) Then I've had people tell me women can't say anything in church. That's only true if you're in Corinth, can you say amen? I I just want to leave that there with you because they were part of the problem in that day. And so Paul has been dealing with this stuff, and he's got the house kind of set in order. They had a man in the church that had taken one of his father's wives, and they still practiced polygamy back then, committed adultery with his father's wife, and he's one of the leaders in the church in 1 Corinthians. And Paul said, you've got to turn that man over to the devil. Amen. What that means, you've got to excommunicate him. You've got to quit even praying for him. You've got to just let him go live his life and let the devil have him. And he said, for the purpose that the body might be destroyed, that the soul might be saved. And then in 2 Corinthians, he writes back, and says, look, the guy's repented, ease up on him now, take him back into the, this is the kind of stuff he's dealing with. But now he's, re- he's dealing with this church that he's taken pains with and, and he's addressing the, the believers had accepted Paul's, uh, uh, many, of the, many of them had accepted his authority, but there was still a small segment in that group, amen, that... Uh, that were being influenced by false ministers and, and Paul was being attacked and he, he's now addressing this attack in our text and he's letting them and us know that he had carefully planned the battle. He was saying, when I was there, I just handled you gently. I took care of you, but now I'm feeling something rise up in me and I'm coming back to you and when I get there, I don't want to have to react in the flesh, but I'm coming in the power of the Spirit and I'm setting that house in order 
order. I believe that that's what God was saying in Gideon's day. He was saying, I'm done with my people turning after their own devices and walking away from the faith, amen, that they were established in. I've come to tell somebody today that after 42 years of living for Jesus and 68 years of living, can I tell you how old I am? Harry Truman was president when I when I was born. Do you, that's way back yonder, can you say amen? And I've seen Truman and don't remember much about it, but Eisenhower, remember him and Nixon and Kennedy and right on down the line. And I want to say this, I really mean this, that probably as I think back over, over those years of my life, I can only think of really about two presidents that really affected my life in any great way. Do you understand what I'm saying? But especially now that I'm a child of God, I believe that it's time for the church to stand up and say we're not going to be defeated, but we're going to stand strong in Christ. We're going to stand on the right side of our values and of our life and for our nation, and we're going to start to war a different warfare than the world's ever seen before. We're going to rise. Oh, don't you misunderstand me? You need to be politically active, and you need to be you know need to vote and do everything that you can to help promote the right agenda. But more importantly than that, God needs to see a Holy Ghost filled, blood washed, powerful church rise up in these days and tear down strongholds and cast down imaginations and try to get the world to see what it means to have a God, amen, that blesses the nation. Again, give him praise if you would. I think Paul said some things in this text. It sort of sounds a little confusing when you read it, when he says, uh, you know, things like, uh, uh, I, in your presence, I'm base among you, but I'm bold when I'm absent towards you, and, and that I, I, I plead with you, I don't want to be bold when I'm present with the, you know, and, and all that kind of sounds confusing. But what he's really saying is, I know how to control my reactions. How many thinks you've got a little bit of self-control in your life? I'm going to tell you, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And when I see Christians reacting in a way that favors the world, how many knows I'm old-fashioned? I don't like to see the church looking like the world. Amen? I'll make you nervous here. I don't like to see the church dressing like the world. And don't get, don't, nobody get, say, well, he don't like my shirt or this. No, no, no. I, I'm talking, I don't like to see the church exposing flesh and looking mean and hateful and looking like something from another planet, you know, that, that, uh, that's a, a discredit to who we really are. But more than that, touch your neighbor and say more than that. I don't like to see the church acting like the world. I don't like to see the church responding like the world or reacting like the world. Paul was saying, we need to know how to control our reactions, amen. And uh, when, when I, I think if we can get to that place, amen, that uh, 
hey, he said, I don't want you to think that we walk according to the flesh in verse number two. I know how to control my reactions. He appeals to the meekness and gentleness of Christ and thus indirectly and delicately he's vindicating his own mildness from their objections, but he entreats them not to give him occasion to show boldness. In other words, he said, I've been nice, amen. I've handled you easily, but understand, he said, I'm the apostle of that church and when I get there, I can deal with you. You know, he even wrote to them one time and said, you all take the offerings before I get there because I don't want to have to deal with that. That's authority, can you say amen? That's why he said on the first day of the week, you bring your tithe and your offering into the house of God. Somebody told me, they said, well, that's just Old Testament. Well, Paul's New Testament, amen. He said, you do the collecting, the gathering of money. And he said, do it before I get there. When I get there, I just want to preach. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And so he says, uh, uh, he's encouraging him not to give him occasion to, to, to get in the flesh and show boldness and severity, which he had purpose to do, and he had, wish, he had no wish to do. I want to operate, amen, solely in my gift while I'm there. He learned how to control his reactions. In John chapter 18, Pilate entered the judgment hall and, uh, and called Jesus and said unto him, are you the king of the Jews? Now think about this. Here is this 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 ungodly carnal man questioning the Lord. Are you king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, says this thing of yourself or does somebody else tell you that about me? And Pilate looks at him with sarcasm and says, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you unto me. What have you done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Watch this. Here, here's where we've got to understand. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate said unto him, are you a king then? And Jesus said unto him, you say that I am a king. To this end was I born, and to this, uh, for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth, and everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Here's Pilate's problem. Everybody that Jesus said that knows the truth, everybody that knows who I am, everybody that knows the Lord, amen, they, they, they understand it. But Pilate just looks at him and says, well, what is truth? He doesn't even know what it is. Are you with me? Don't you get so tore up about the world that don't know what truth is? Hello, are y'all with me this morning? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He's the truth. I am. He said, lo, I come in the volume of the book. Hallelujah. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And, and when he had said this, he, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. That encourages me. That encourages me that, that even powerful potentates that even men who've, who've exalted themselves to be above everybody else. I want to tell you, can I, can I just get a little, uh, maybe a little political this morning? Can I tell you, I believe that left-wing media, I believe the, the leftists of our country who are anti-God, anti-church, anti-marriage, dear God, they're even anti-life, they're pro-abortion. Come on, they, they, they try to promote the, the most unusual things. I, I thought of all the stuff we've seen this year of buildings burning and police cars being burned up by the dozens and windows being broken out and looting going on and people being injured and hurt and their livelihood being taken. Then the media comes out and says that the marsh on, on Washington the other day was an uncontrollable mob. I don't know about you, but I watched the news. I didn't see an uncontrollable mob. I had friends 
friends who were there that messaged me and said, it's not what they're saying it is. Of course it's not, because they don't even know how to deal with truth anymore. Are you with me? So all of a sudden, he says, I want you to understand this. I find no fault in him. And I really believe when we present Christ, is this all right? When we choose the weapon, amen, of, of controlling our reactions, and we don't just talk about Jesus, we live Jesus. We present Jesus. We become Jesus. We become the hand of God extended. We become the power of God to heal. We become the power of God to take authority, amen, over the powers of darkness. I believe that the church in America today may be in the least effective position that it's ever been, amen, in a lot of years at least. We need to get to the place where, that, amen, that we're so powerful, we're so in tune with God, we're so prayed up, we're, we're, we become such intercessors that we can, in the spirit world, pull down, strongholds. Amen. Is anybody hearing me that we can cast down imagination? We can present them a Jesus that's so profound that Pilate even, amen, who was had the job of judging him to, to crucify him, when he walked back out to the very ones that should have known who he was, amen, the priest and the Jews that should have known the prophecies and saw the things he did, he walked out to them and looked at them and they're shouting crucify him and give us Barabbas but he looks at him and says, this man, I find no fault in him. And I want to tell you, as the church, we've got to be that much like Jesus that they can't find any fault and we have the power to change the way they think. Amen? I want to say this. Many Christians today are defeated because they don't exercise control over their responses over the reactions, can you say amen, over their anger. I've even seen Christians fly off and use vulgar language. Are you with me? Put stuff on Facebook that no child of God ought to put on Facebook. And it don't ever go away, is what I understand. It's always out there. Y'all are quiet today. Let me move on. The second thing Paul said was about this battle in verse 3. He said, I want you to know I'm in the flesh. I am a human. I have emotions. I, I feel it. I Fear comes into my face. i never forget one time I walked into a hospital room one, some years ago. A family had asked me to go see a man. I, had, I didn't know what was going on with him. I walked into the room. As soon as I walked in the room, his eyes rolled back in his head. His voice changed, and a demon started talking out of him. And I wasn't expecting that. And I'm going to tell you, fear just was swept over me. My hair stood up, and it wasn't the Holy Ghost either. Are you hearing me? on my arms and my neck. But all of a sudden, there was the right reaction to that. I rebuked the spirit of fear because anytime you deal with a demon possession, the spirit of fear always presents itself. That's the first thing you've got to deal with. I rebuked the spirit of fear. And I began to deal with that man and deal with that demon from a position of authority. I begin to understand my flesh may react one day, but one way, but my Holy Ghost reacts totally different. Come on, somebody, when I let him begin to take over, we're in the flesh, we're not of the flesh. And although I'm in the common condition of human nature, amen, and must live as a human being, Paul is saying, I do not war after the flesh. I have 
have a good cause. I have a good captain. I have strength at will and courage at hand. Amen. I don't fear them. Neither do I fear their master. I will not be drawn to the thought that I have to behave as the world. Amen. Or those who try to antagonize. But we walk not after the flesh. We walk after the spirit. We fight not in the flesh. But we war in the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Well, give God praise, would you? Paul said in Galatians 3 and 3, he, he talked to those, those Galatians. And he, he said, you foolish Galatians. He said, are you so foolish that having begun in the Spirit, how many remembers when you got saved? How many remembers the newness of that experience, the power of that moment, when all of a sudden old things passed away and all things become new and you found yourself thinking different seeing things different talking different there was a hunger there was an ambition to be more like Jesus can you say amen more, you know less of me and more of him Praise God. Frank Foster was the first man I ever heard preach that over 40 years ago. And he was preaching on being less of me and more of Jesus. And he said, but then my goal is none of me and all of Jesus. That, that's, the, that's the, Paul said, I'm not perfected yet. I haven't attained yet. That's what he was saying. I, I, there's still some of this flesh. I'm still trying to subdue it. I never get to a place where I'm comfortable with me and, and, that, and allowing myself to try to balance with the Lord. No, you've got to kill the flesh, mortify it, put it to death, and let Jesus be in control of your life. Amen? So he said, have you begun in the Spirit? Now you're made perfect by the flesh. Let me go on the third thing. Paul then says, I want you to understand there's power in spiritual weapons. In verse 4, he talks about the weapons of our warfare and the means by which we hope to achieve our victory. They're not carnal. They're not flesh. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I can't deal with devils in my flesh. I can't deal with Satan in my flesh. The scripture said that John baptized the Son of God. Are y'all with me? And he came up out of the water, and the Holy Ghost descended on him in the form of a dove, and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into a tough place, and Satan himself came and tried the same lines on him, basically, that he tried on Adam and Eve in the garden. And he came to Jesus and said, if you're the son of God, turn these, these uh, stones to bread. And Jesus, still led by the Spirit, I mean, he could have stood up and locked horns with him. But as a man, he stood there, but as God, he looked at him and said, it's written, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then, you know, Matthew's gospel says that he took him to the pinnacle of the temple. Luke's gospel says he took him to, uh, to an exceeding high mountain first. They've got him reversed. But what happened was he took him to the pinnacle of the temple, and he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Because the script, what's the devil? He'll use the Bible. I've heard people misquote scripture to try to justify their position. Are you with me? Especially with this political crowd. You hear it all the time. I mean, one minute they're cussing and saying every ungodly thing. The next minute they're trying to quote Scripture. I call them hypocrites. Are you with me? 
So Satan, he looks at him and says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down because the Bible says that he'll, he gave his angels charge over you lest you should dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus looked at him again and said, it's written, thou shalt not, amen, tempt the Lord your God. Amen. Don't, don't try me, devil. That's what he was saying. I think sometimes instead of giving in, we just need to look at the devil and look at the circumstances and say, don't, don't try me. Don't mess with me. You're not dealing with me. You're dealing with Jesus. You're dealing with the Spirit of God. You're dealing with the anointed, the blood-bought, the sanctified, the general assembly of the firstborn. We're the church, can you say amen? And uh, so Paul says, I, I want you to know our weapons are not carnal, amen, but they're mighty to pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations. Not, they're not the things of the flesh, not, not such as the men of the world use. They are not such as employed by conquerors, nor, nor are they used by men in general. Politicians, the media, they don't understand even what we're talking about. They don't know what truth is. We do not depend on eloquence or talent or learning or wealth or beauty or the external age of which men of this world rely. They are not such as derive advantage from any power inherited in themselves. But we understand that our weapons get their strength from the God who's provided them, that God is the one that clothes us, gives us the helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, girds our loins with truth, shods our feet with the preparation of the gospel. The peace gives us a shield of faith and a sword. I want to tell you there's not a weapon on earth that can stop a child of God who's armed, amen, and dangerous in the things of God. Give him praise, if you would. There's power in spiritual weapons. Some years ago, we were in Zambia. And we were preaching in a crusade one night, and they said seven or 8,000 people were there. We had a little old platform, a little old cheap light system, a little old keyboard. I mean, we didn't have much, but we had God. And I stood up there that night, and this was, now listen, this was not in a town. This was in a village with mud huts. Most of the people there had never had new shoes on their feet nor new clothes on their back. It was poverty. It was impoverished. It was terrible. And I was standing up there preaching that night, and I was to preach, and, and the Lord began to deal with me about those lepers outside the city of Samaria. And one of them looked up and said, why sit here till we die? Amen. If we go down to the town, they're starving. Let's go out to the enemy's camp. Maybe they'll show us some mercy. If they don't, the least thing, worst thing's going to happen. We're going to die and we're going to get to die quickly. But why sit here till we die? And when they got up and started to move, God began to multiply the sounds of their feet. And it was three old lepers walking out there, four. And, uh, and uh, uh, the, you know, the, the enemy thought it was an army. They thought that the Samaritans had, had went and hired the Egyptians and brought in a mighty force. God began to amplify. God Listen, folks, little as much when God's in it. And I was preaching on why sit here till you die. I was telling them about a Jesus. Witch doctors were there that, that from testimonies of people that week before had healed people from diseases, but at the cost of a demon possession. And witch doctors were behind the crowd and they were building fires and, and doing incantations. And, and one of the pastors told me later, said they made preachers like you sick when they come here by incantations. 
bedrooms. And I said, well, I got a powerful church covering me back home. And we'd fasted and prayed before we went. And, and one of the pastors told me, Michael, he said, I watched them. And he said, they tried to build their fires to throw their stuff to make it flash up and, and do their incantations. And he said, every time they'd build a fire, it would go out. Hallelujah. It would, their fire wouldn't even burn. Woo, I want somebody to hear me. The devil may start a lot of fires and do a lot of flash bang and do a lot of intimidation. But for the church, we need to understand that greater is he that's in us and no weapon formed against us. Listen, this is how I fight my battles. I love worship. Somebody told me a while back, they said, Pastor, we love to watch you worship on the platform at your age. Now, that, that's a little bit, you know, that bothers me a little bit. But you know what I told them? I said, bless God, I'm not gonna let you whippersnappers outdo me. I said, I'm gonna shout and praise God as long as I've got breath. Amen, if I was sitting in the pew, I wouldn't be sitting back there looking at Nick while he's leading us in worship because this, this is designed to bring you into the presence, to get you armed, <laughs> to get you ready. We're in a fight, hallelujah, and we need to be armed. This is how I fight my battles, hallelujah. Glory. I fight them by prayer. I fight them by praise. I fight them by worship. Somebody said to me yesterday, Pastor, we're worried about you starting a 21-day fast with your health condition. Well, glory to God, maybe I'll just melt away and go on to heaven while I'm 21 days of prayer and fasting. But I'd rather think I'm gonna walk out on the other side, amen, flexing my spiritual muscles and ready to do battle with any devil that 2021 has sent my way. Glory to God. Give him praise if you would. Amen. Paul said in Ephesians 6, verse 10, he said, finally, brethren, and I'm gonna say that finally, brethren. Let, let me try to sum up what I'm saying to you. Finally, brethren, in a world of turmoil, in a world of uncertainty, in a world when you can't believe anything you hear. Hello? I mean, I mean the, 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 the stuff... Most of the world just follows along to the media's song and dance. They believe everything that a left-wing media that has no credibility says to them. Hello? And I, and I hope I'm not irritating you. Well, I hope I am irritating you. Because if this irritates you, you got too much stinking flesh. You need to get in the spirit for a while. I'm not angry. I'm just ready for battle. This is how I fight my battles. He said, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. How many of you are struggling right now with stuff? Just kind of be honest. Wave your hand at me. There's some stuff you're struggling with. A few of you are honest. Probably every one of us. Probably all of us. And the thing is, Struggles, battles, hardships, problems, difficulties, uncertainties. They're the, they're the normal menu of the day. But he says, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm going to tell you something. Anytime you get around to where there's power and fame and popularity, you're going to find wickedness. You hearing me? You're going to find wickedness. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand, be able to withstand in the evil day. We're in the evil day. Having done all you can do, stand. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Have on the breastplate of righteousness. Thank God. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Walk according to the word this year. Don't walk according to popular opinion. Follow leadership. Amen. I was reading this week and Moses was, God had told me he was going to die. And God, Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Joshua is going to go in your place. So, God, so Moses brought Joshua up and charged him and anointed him. And then in Joshua 1, when they started in, uh, amen, started to go in to take the promised land, you know what God said to, to Joshua? He said, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid. Don't, 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 let, don't get distracted. But stay in the Word of God. Keep the Word of God. Stay in it. Because if you do, you're going to be a powerful man. Amen. And Joshua stood and charged the people. In one place, he said, how long are you going to be halt between two opinions? Which God are you going to serve? And then he said, it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He set an example before him. Can you say amen? Take the shield of faith. Amen. Above all, take the shield of faith. Wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation. How many has got the helmet on this morning? You know what the helmet does? It protects your thinking. That's where the battlefield is. The helmet of salvation reminds me that no matter what I'm facing, I'm saved. No matter what comes my way, I'm a Christian. No matter what comes my way, God is looking at my response and my reaction. This is how I fight my battles. I walk with the mindset every day, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I don't do things the world does. And I'm not saying that to sound holier than anybody. I'm just telling you, there's some stuff out there that's of the devil, and if it don't take you to hell, it'll make you, you know, feel like you're going there. It's, it's there to rob your victory, to steal your prayer life, to take your joy, to steal and rob your anointing. That all that's in the world, amen, is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's all that's out there. Amen. One man was involved, got himself involved in a sin. He was part of the church. It was my responsibility to talk to him. Let me tell you something. You start getting out here cutting up and acting like the world and living in sin and coming to this church and walking on this platform or, or sitting here trying to think you're all right, I'm going to tell you, you ain't right. That's what y'all pay me to do. And so I called this gentleman aside just confidentially. Nobody knew about it. I started trying to talk to him about what was going on. He was involved in something he shouldn't be involved in. I'll never forget. He looked at me and said, well, preacher, God wants me to be happy. 
I said, no, God wants you to be holy. Happy has nothing to do with going to heaven. But I said, sir, if you'll get holy, hear me, you'll be happy. And when Jesus comes, you won't be ashamed. Isn't that good? So all of a sudden, we find ourselves needing to suit up for the battle. There's a saying that's almost, I've almost adopted as my motto. I've said it a lot over the years, and I still mean it. It does not matter what happens to me. What matters is how I respond to it, how I react to it. Everybody's going to see you get attacked, and that's not unusual. But what's unusual is when you act like Jesus in the midst of it. That's what they need to see. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Peter said, 1 Peter 2, 20, for what glory is it when you are buffeted or you're attacked for your faults? You shall take it patiently. But when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even to hereto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving for us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was any guile. He never got bitter. He never lashed out. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not. When he suffered, when he, suffered he threatened not. But he committed himself to him that judges righteously, who himself on self bore our sins and his own by our sins and his own body on a tree that we being dead to sin should live up to live unto righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but now you return to the shepherd, to the bishop of your souls. Romans twelve and twenty said, Therefore, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, come on, Brother Nick, give him a drink of water. For in doing so you shall heap coals a fire on his head. One woman was having trouble with a neighbor and she heard that scripture and she just immediately prayed and said, God, burn his brains out. That's not what it means. <laughs> when you do good to your enemy, it brings conviction on them for not being good to you. That makes sense. Don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. This is how I fight my battles. This is my approach to 2021. This is my approach to this political upheaval and this unrest that we're in. And I'm believing God. You know, we're not, we're not live streaming, so I'm just going to say this. I've had preachers call me and say, what about these guys that have been prophesying that Donald Trump's going to be in office for more years? What's going to happen to that? What if, and, and they'll say, he ain't going to win. It ain't going to happen. And I said, it ain't January 20th yet. And this is what I'm, this is what I'm saying. If the unthinkable, if it does happen and he's not president, does that change the fact that God said it? Now watch this. 
Watch this. God prophesied over Israel. He said, you go into that Canaan land and said, you destroy every, every, everybody there. And he said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. If you honor your father and mother, your days will be long in the land. I'll give you cities you didn't build, storehouses you didn't fill. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And I've promised it to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and now to you forever. But in Judges, the Midianites have rose up and defeated them. Does that change the fact that God said no weapon formed, that no, no enemy would be able to stand in front? No, they blew it. Do you understand me? It's still their land. And when Jesus comes, they're going to be there. They're there now. But what they did by disobedience was disrupt the plan of God. There's a lot of things that this word says that people by their disobedience have disrupted. I've watched for years as people grew up in church and knew Jesus and walked away from this and lived their lives became a train wreck. And, 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 and I've even had them look at me and say, God failed me. No, you failed God. This is how I fight my battles. They say it's a hard way to be a Christian. No, the way of a transgressor is hard. Do I get attacked? Yes, but I've never lost a battle. Glory to God. I've buried precious saints. 2020 has been the worst year for us as far as people dying. People that I just, I, Lord, I didn't want to give them up. That's real selfish of me. I want them back. But they would, don't want to come back because they've earned their reward. They're in that land of promise. Where the, are you hearing me? Streets are gold, walls are jasper. God is there. There's never a no night. There's never a problem. No more pain, no more sickness. God's wiped all the tears. Why would they want to come back? But I want them to come back. That's, that's me. But I learned what David said. I can't bring them back, so praise God, I'm just going to keep fighting the battle. And one day you'll pick up the register, you know, or, or you'll get that notification on your phone. If the rapture hadn't taken place, you'll get, you'll get that notification that Owen Moody from Mule Shed Lane is dead. But don't believe a word of it. Because I'll be more alive then than I've ever been here. This is how I fight my battles. How beautiful heaven must be. I'm glad that I went to the keeper long ago and settled it all. My sins are under the blood. What about you? I'm going to heaven. What about you? I was reading about the battle that Patton lost. And it wasn't, I won't go into the politics of it, but it really wasn't his fault. They cut off his supplies. Tried to let the British take Berlin. And, uh, I was reading about one battle and one squad of men that the platoon leader was killed and out of 14 men there were six left and one man who was a corporal pinned down in a, in a crater where a mortar round had went off and he seen that they were getting killed one by one just getting picked off courage filled his heart and he stormed the line and went and stood on top of the very fortress 
figured out trying to how can I defeat this thing and all of a sudden he saw an iron grate over on the side of a hill and realized that that was an air shaft going into that place and they had some torpedoes that they could slide and he at the risk of his own life he slid two torpedoes down and blew up a bunch of them and him and what many he had left went down into that hole they died there but they began to turn the battle are you hearing me he received the distinguished service cross and when I thought about that, he, he, he got it, he was killed. And he got it post-mortem. But they said that his mind was, we cannot lose this battle. We cannot fail our general. And I thought so many times I've looked up to the captain of my salvation and said, I cannot lose this battle. This is how I fight my battles. I'm pressing on. The upward way. How about you? Are you saved? Are you ready for Jesus to come? He may come in 2021. Can I be honest with you? In the heat of the battle in 2020, I thought the rapture was going to take place. I believe it may take place before we get out of here. The question is, are you ready? Everybody's worried about what's going on. I'm concerned about being ready when he calls me. How beautiful heaven must be. Just to get over there with those that we've lost and say, hey, Stand with me, would you, Father? In the name of Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your blessing, your glory. This is how I fight my battles. I fight on my faithfulness and commitment and sanctifying myself and praying and pressing on, fighting as God wants me to fight, reacting the way I should, living a life, shining a light, wanting people to see Jesus in me. God, there's people here today that need a Savior. They need comfort. They need relief. They need to be delivered from this stress, this press, this horrible thing they're under. Their hearts are broken. Their eyes are wet. God, they can't sleep. They're, the pressure, the stress, the, the anxiety is so bad. And it's because we're in the flesh, but in the Spirit. There's release and relief. There's confidence and assurance. There's reassurance. There's reaction that's like Jesus. This is how I fight my battle. God, I want you to recruit people in the army today to fight like you want us to fight. Cast down imaginations. Pull down strongholds. Everything that exalts itself against what you said. That your will be done. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. How many in this building? Pastor, I've been in a battle and it's not been good. I need Jesus. If that's you, hold up your hand. I need God to move for me. Just hold your hand up. God bless you. Preacher, I need God. God bless you. I need God to move for me. Somebody else, hold up your hand. I see you. I see you. Somebody else, this is how I need. I need to get in the battle the right way. I want this to be my best year for Jesus. I want it to be my best year for God. It may not go the way I want it to financially, politically, but I want it to be my best year for God. That you hold up your hand. I want to be my best year for Jesus. He loves you. He's ready to dry your tears. He's ready to heal your broken heart. He's ready to, to bind up your wounds and pour in the oil and wine and heal you that you can be the soldier in the army he's called you to be. Amen. We've survived the COVID. We've survived loss. We've survived loss and death and pain and heartbreak. But it's not enough to survive. We've got to press the battle. We, get, we can only do that the way he wants us to. This is how I fight my battles. 
I want you to look this way while Nick sings. If you need to come and just be strengthened, or if you need to come and be saved, or you need to come and rededicate your life, you need to come and find some peace from God this morning. And set our hearts on you, Lord, come and We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.